This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. For the month of May, if you sign up for our mailing list, you will get a copy of my full 2021 Dynasty rankings for rookies. This rookie class that we're going to be selecting here in this upcoming post-draft mock draft that we have uh, being recorded this evening. But uh, I won't be putting that up on the website, so you do have to sign up for the mailing list in order to get it. However, tonight we turn our attention to the annual post-draft mock draft, and we welcome back two of our audience favorites and fellow league members, Ben Brundage. Yo. And Ed Martinez. <clears throat> Didn't know that I was an audience favorite, but... Well, <laughs> You're starting to sound like me, Ed. That's not a good place to be. I've listened to all your episodes, Ed, so. I guess I can always count on Ben being my number one fan, but. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, unfortunately, we've talked about just about every other quarterback that has some issues this offseason in one form or another. All four of us are Packer fans. At least one of us is an owner. I don't know about the three of you. But let's start from uh, this place. How should I vote for my board of directors when the shareholders meeting comes up in July? Should I re-up Mark Murphy? I guess I'll go first. I mean, I kind of feel like everything kind of went to shit the day he came in and was like, everyone's going to report to me. He's not a football guy, if I'm not mistaken. And, like, the Packers, I think, especially are a business, and then they're a football team as well. Like, they're very, very well-known, and they brand really well and all that other bullshit. But I don't know if he's to blame for all of this. I don't think he should lose his job, I guess is what I'm saying. I very much doubt that he'll lose his job. I think he has a mandatory retirement in the next five years from the board of directors. So at some point in the near future, he's not going to be leading the green Bay Packers. Unfortunately, I have to tell you, he was an all pro safety for the Washington football team back in the day. And he was the head of the players association at one point. Yeah. I did not know that. And some of the things that he does and just says, doesn't make you seem that way either. But like I said, I don't think he should lose his job. So then we turn our attention to the, uh, is it an ultimatum? Is it not? It's been reported that way, but then again, is it really Brian Gutekunst versus Aaron Rodgers? Someone want to take the lead on this one? (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Ethan. Man. (laughs) Um, He's another guy that I don't think should really lose his job either because at the end of the day, his job is to look out for the future of the football team. Aaron Rodgers, when Jordan Love was taken, was coming off of a a very good year for others, but for Aaron Rodgers' standards, not the best year that he's ever had. I don't fault Brian Gutenkunst for uh, for taking a quarterback the way I, I fault him for the way he handled it on the back end, not talking to Aaron Rodgers, not talking to anybody really, and just making that, and then trading up for him as well. I think that's where he really failed in this whole situation, but. I think he's done a very good job as a general manager looking out for the future of the football team. 
I would tend to agree, but I think there are other extenuating circumstances where you can't fire him. And realistically, you can't turn over your entire franchise to your franchise quarterback either. I think that there would be somewhat of a mass mutiny from the ownership. I mean, we're the only non-centralized owner football team. There isn't one distinct person. There's just we're we're almost run like a Fortune 500 company in the way that the structure of the Packers has been for years. But I can't imagine that anybody or any other owners group is going to want to be put in the situation where your star quarterback is making all of the decisions for your football team. I want this general manager. I want this wide receiver. You better re-sign so-and-so and all of the rest of that. And I know that everybody's comparing that to Tom Brady. And he got a lot of leeway with the Buccaneers last year. So because they won, everybody seems to think that that soothes over every piece of what was done to get to that point. I just don't look at somebody like Jerry Jones, if he had an Aaron Rodgers, saying, I'm going to adhere to everything you want to do. Even at a certain point, Robert Kraft wasn't going to bow down to to everything Tom Brady wanted to do. And he won him, what, five Super Bowls? Six Super Bowls? I can't even remember. So it sets a bad precedent if some of these demands or ultimatums are in fact real. There's already somewhat of an effort as of today to start walking some of this back. If you read the John Kuhn comments or the James Jones comments or any of the people that actually might have talked to Aaron Rodgers. But until somebody is willing to fully go on the record and describe either A, what the problems are, or B, what's actually been offered instead of unnamed sources, I think of this is a whole lot of nothing until there's something that actually happens, and that is 12 doesn't show up to training camp. Right. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at the Adam Schefter um, interview that he did with Dan Patrick today. Yes. Right? where he came out and he was pretty much saying, like, if I remember correctly, that he, first of all, he decided to break that news on draft day. It wasn't like that news had just come out. There wasn't really sources that he had. He, he, he kind of occult, like accumulated everything that he had been hearing through since the NFC Championship loss and kind of came up with this story on draft day saying, you know, he, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. I feel like it was... I don't know. I, it, based on what I'm seeing, like you were gonna, you were saying with John Kuhn, the John Kuhn story that came out, James Jones. I feel like through those players is actually Aaron Rodgers' voice. I don't know why Aaron Rodgers doesn't come out blatantly and say like, here's a statement, here's what's going on. But I think through those like statements today that I've been seeing, he's definitely they're definitely he's definitely backtracking because he's seen what the rumors are, what's going on out there. I, I just wish he would just come out with a statement saying here's the here's here's what's going on. Hey, I'm looking for. a looking to finish my career here age 40 it's just it's just frustrating because i think there is really nobody knows what the hell's going on well and i would tend to agree one of the constants in the discussion of all of these quarterbacks in this offseason russell wilson's got a long contract deshaun watson just re-upped the year before to a long contract and if these guys are locked in you're not going to set the precedent that the nba has of player empowerment by James Harden deciding to get fat in the offseason and hang out in strip clubs in order to force his way to the Nets. <laughs> Nobody in the NFL wants that, except maybe the star quarterbacks. But that's about it. 
I, I see this as a little bit of them attempting to try and brand themselves in that direction. But until we go to the point where they're on short-term contracts and a star quarterback is willing to let his uh, contract run out, and even then, you know, you take the Dak Prescott situation, for example. He got franchised, what, two or three times? I just don't see a franchise really not holding all of the cards. Everything is set up, especially in the last CBA, in advantage of the owners. It's not like Aaron Rodgers has really got anywhere else to go as long as the Packers hold firm on not trading him. I mean, and I think this happened actually earlier in the offseason with Russell Wilson, right? Exactly. I kind of pulling something, and he, he failed. He didn't win that. I mean, I don't know what the – you know, maybe him and Pete Carroll obviously had some sort of discussion behind closed doors and said, you know what, we're going to pass the ball a lot more instead of running it. I don't know, but, you know – he tried that. He tried pulling it out earlier, and he failed. It's not like the CLC Hawks went and, like, you know, they did all these moves to please Russell Wilson. Ben, we haven't given you much of a chance to kind of jump in here, and I know you have a loud opinion, at least from texts that uh, have been going back and forth for a while. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think me and you kind of think it's the same deal. Like, Aaron Rodgers realizing this is the last his last chance to have any sort of leverage here. I've not been a Brian Gutenkiss fan. I'm sort of a prove-it type guy. I need him to prove it through drafts and free agents that he is fit to be a general manager, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers here is kind of getting fans on the side of Brian Gutenkiss here by kind of acting like a diva. Last year, I hated that draft, to be honest. Like, we're a game away from the Super Bowl, and we did nothing to help our team whatsoever other than maybe drafting Jordan Love and getting Aaron Rodgers to play like he cares about football again. But the year before that, Aaron Rodgers wasn't great. The year before that, Aaron Rodgers wasn't great. And now he has a great year, and he's he's using that leverage to try and get guaranteed money. And as a fan... Like, no, Aaron Rodgers hasn't came out and said anything, but the silence has been deafening. Like, what quarterback wouldn't come out and say, hey, I love Green Bay, like, whatever, kind of soothe things over, but not, not even not even send a tweet out or anything is kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. And it's making it look like Brian Gutenkist is a genius for drafting a quarterback last year saying, hey, we won't have Aaron Rodgers forever, and now he's acting like a diva, and it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy here. So, To be fair, I've always gone by the same moniker that Joe Gibbs did back in the day. The best or the most important player on your roster is your starting quarterback. The second most important player on your roster is your backup quarterback. I think you would be criminally negligent if you had the opportunity to draft somebody that was talented, no matter where you were in the draft, and didn't at least entertain that idea. Sometimes we overthink things in saying, okay, I already have an established quarterback. I'm not going to take another one. How dumb is that, in my opinion, for teams not to at least explore that? That's a valuable asset in the modern NFL. I think they'll be scared when Aaron Rodgers sits out because I think Aaron Rodgers' biggest fear would be, like, none of the four of us know what Jordan Love is. We haven't seen him play at all. We don't know if he's the next Patrick Mahomes or if he's the next 
Brett Hundley. And I'll be scared if Aaron Rodgers sits out because I believe his biggest fear will be making Brian Gutenkiss look good. And if Aaron Rodgers sits out and Love steps in and balls out, he's going to look like an idiot to everybody. Yeah, I mean, for me too, like, I don't, I can see Aaron Rodgers not coming to training or to all this stuff in the offseason. I can see that just to finally make a stance, but I'm really not at the point right now where I don't think he's going to be back. On draft night, I, I think we were all super fr- flustered and frustrated. And on draft night, honestly, if they would have traded him and then drafted one of these quarterbacks, I probably wouldn't have had a problem with it. But now sitting here now and kind of listening to John Kuhn and listening to James Jones and even Mike Tirico at the Kentucky Derby, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers kind of talked through him a little bit too to say that, you know, he's a little pissed this came out. He does like Green Bay and all that other stuff. But Ben, you're 110% right. I think it's a leverage play. I think he realizes that he really has less than five years of great football left in him. Maybe this was his last year of great football, and this is his final play of getting that guaranteed money. But I think, too, I think it's more than money for for him, you know, because every time he does sign a contract, he's always been the highest paid. So there's something that's going on between him and the management where there's just a disconnect. But I honestly do think it could be fixable because I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to go someplace else. I really, really don't. And I don't think the front office wants to look like a bunch of idiots either, letting him go someplace and then ultimately winning a Super Bowl someplace else with them giving him everything they can. So hopefully, and maybe this is just me talking out of my ass, but I'm hoping that cooler heads prevail here eventually and that we just get back to playing some goddamn football. Hey, now, we promote people talking out of their ass on this podcast. I do it every week. Sometimes twice a week. Sometimes. Now, the one thing that I would definitely agree with, I don't think it's about the financial aspect of guaranteed money. I think it's what the guaranteed money means that, uh, or what it does that the Packers can't walk away. Right. I think the bigger the cap hit number the more of a handcuff it becomes to what Green Bay is capable of doing. And thus, right now, uh, one of the biggest reasons that they're not going to trade him before June 1st is simply because they'd be taking $30 million in dead cap. Even if they traded him after June 1st, you're splitting that between the two years where you're taking 17 this year and 17 next year. And I don't think that's something they really want to do even if Jordan Love is the next guy and he's a cheaper option, it's still a lot of money. Whereas after next year, you could pretty much walk away from him scot-free. And I don't know if the the situation is more that he just simply wants to lock them in with some level of inflexibility that they're not willing to do. But that's been the discussion going back to when the free agency period opened up and we were talking about, is he going to restructure his deal? Is he going to backload some of his contract? And I think he wanted to do some of that, but he also wanted to do it with some bigger numbers to make sure Green Bay couldn't walk away from it. I think that's the biggest thing because Green Bay is trying to remain open to the possibilities that they could move on without making a guarantee, even though they can say it publicly. He wants some sort of firm, like actually on paper, there's no way you can possibly move away from me after this season guarantee. I think a little bit is frustration too, because the way that Drew Brees went out in New Orleans, like we kind of thought he's had a dead arm for a couple of years now, 
but they've kind of stuck with him because of everything that he's done for that franchise and like other quarterbacks like that as well. So I think Aaron Rodgers does feel a little bit disrespected and we all know Aaron's got the biggest chip on his shoulder and he loves to make it bigger. So, I mean, to me, I'm a little surprised, but I think we're kind of just a different fan base too. We don't really like putting up with this type of BS. <laughs> I mean, they booed Aaron Rodgers at a Timber Rattlers game because he was on that he was doing a video ad or something like that. So, I don't know. <laughs> no, I I'm I'm with you and I, frankly, 20 minutes is probably more than enough to talk about this situation in a situation I feel pretty comfortable saying I think he'll be under center week 1. So yeah. I'll take a quick poll of the rest of you. Is he under center for the start of 2021? Ethan? I think he's a Packer. Absolutely. Ed? He's a Packer. Ben? Yes. 2022, is he a Packer? I think he'll be a Packer in 2022 as well. I mean, if, if he's going to play this next year, I feel like he'll get the leverage that he needs at least for a couple more years. Yeah, if he, if he plays this year, he'll play 2022 and beyond. I'll Same say feeling, no. Ben? I don't think so. I'm going to leave the door open, but I, I probably with Ben on that one. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this can be resolved without the Packers basically turning somewhat of the franchise over to him, and I don't think they're willing to do that. Well, I hope they fool him long enough to get extend, or to extend Devontae. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. But uh, this this comparison to the last dance sort of stuff, It's kind of weird, but all things do come to an end, and like a bad divorce, we're the kids stuck in the middle. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to what everybody's actually here for. This is our annual post-draft mock draft. Ben, you were here for it last year, and we welcome in Ed for the first time. Both of you really wanted to be on for this one. Is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to with this? I guess for myself, I'm actually looking forward to knowing what the hell I'm doing with the Dynasty draft. <laughs> so, like looking back at last year, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't really know. So um, so this year, it's been more fun during the offseason now because I've been doing a little bit of research, doing watching some highlights and have my list of kind of like my target favorite players. So based on where, where I should be drafting them. So, yeah, it'll be I'm looking forward to this year's draft yeah kind of along with ed i feel like i've learned a lot in these dynasty drafts don't fall in love with speed i've done it over and over again looking back on it i was actually thinking of that today i i don't recall a time where i'm like oh this player ran a four three and it actually benefited them in any sort of way other than getting drafted higher. And uh, you're making me feel a lot better about Henry Ruggs. Right <laughs> yeah, Henry Ruggs is one of the guys I was thinking of. But, um, Especially yeah. since you drafted Henry Ruggs before T. Higgins or Justin oh, Jefferson and Brandon him. Ayuk. Man, he already knows. You don't got to do it again. <laughs> what did I say that I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing last year? Hey, I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't take either of those guys with my first round pick. I just took Cam Akers. Anyway. I, I can't talk too much. I took Rager, so we'll see on that. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I'd say is is don't really put too much weight on what teams draft a player. Like San Francisco turned their organization around in a heartbeat. You know, you never know 
what's going to happen in the next few years. So if you like the player, take the player. Yeah, that's something I still got to convince myself to do. Yeah, absolutely. Is that your biggest lesson going into this year? Yeah, um, Cam Akers. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's all I'm going to fucking say. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. If you like a guy, take a guy. Any other last-minute draft advice, just general draft advice here? Have fun. <laughs> a good reminder, honestly. <laughs> too often we take this shit too seriously. It's supposed to be game. You guys can tell so, your opinion on this, but I feel like for a team that I that I have right now, or maybe the people that are picking in the top top three picks, I know for me I'm kind of thinking like not drafting based on positions, just drafting based off of value. And if I think that's the best value there, I'm just going to take them. Not because I need. Not just because I need a tight end right now, or I need a running back, right? Um, because then, if I can acquire great value on my team, I feel like I can use that, use some of those players for a trade bait down the road. So. I would absolutely 100% agree with that. You always take the amount of talent that you can, because if you're ever overstocked at one position, that just ends up giving you an advantage. Do you guys ever look into next, like the fun, next year's draft? Because some, one thing I was thinking about. You know, what if next year's draft is super weak on receivers? Do I take go high on receivers this year's draft and like look into what's coming up for next year? Or you guys are just like in the moment this year. We'll see about next year's draft. Tom looks like he's like already scouting for. I've got the next in advance. He's I've got the next two drafts in my head. (laughs) I'll speak up. I don't really. I know me and Ethan did a little bit, maybe Tom was there, about this year's draft. Or, no, it was last year's draft. And we thought Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Yep. Yeah. Well, Harris and Etienne came back, and that those were the top two backs probably last year already. So I don't think that really matters. Players come back if they if they're... I don't know how to put it into words. If they're good enough to come out in three years, you're almost banking on them next year coming out. A lot of them don't necessarily. One of the things I've noticed about doing this podcast is, is I can't hold a lot of cards close to the best. I just have to let my opinions out there. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but allow everybody else to see it. Next year's draft to me seems very weak at most of the skill positions particularly running back is very, very low wide receivers thin because there's nobody really at the top of the class. Like there has been the last two years, at least nobody that's made a huge name for themselves. And if they do, it's probably going to be on the back of maybe one year. This is a decent quarterback draft because you have uh, (laughs) Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. You have Sam Howell from North Carolina. You have, uh, the kid out of USC, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment. And I think there's at least one other major quarterback. So you could see a big run in the top 10 again, like you did this year. If some of these quarterbacks don't hit like Carolina, if Sam Darnold really can't put it together and Carolina has another bad year, I can immediately see David Tepper asking his general manager to go get him a new quarterback or Denver. If they don't swing this trade for Aaron Rodgers, the Vegas Raiders, you know, any of those teams that are kind of in that mid-level quarterback where they have an 
maybe either a, a replacement level or just slightly above replacement level quarterback right now, but need to get better at the position in order to really compete. Those are the types of guys. But most of next year is going to be stocked with the guys that weren't available in this particular draft, and that's going to be the guys in the trenches. The defensive linemen, it's a great defensive lineman pass rushers draft next year. It's also going to be a decent interior offensive line draft. So if I'm looking at draft picks and trade value for next year, I'm devaluing it coming from other people, but I'm valuing it if I can offer it to somebody else who maybe thinks a little bit better on next year's draft. Ultimately, though, I think this is a plug. Uh, I know that Dana and I have been really itching to do it again, but college fantasy football. I know that uh, we played it many, many years, and I already have been basically signed up. But if you aren't doing some form of college fantasy football to get used to these names in advance of it, you're doing yourself a disservice for dynasty football. So with that, let me explain how things are going to go. We're almost a half an hour into the show, and we have yet to get to the thing we all came here for. But I gave you all a list of my top 20 or 2021 rookie rankings. Again, those are available if you sign up for our mailing list. Contact us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. But I also provided a list of all the potential cuts from rosters. I went through everybody's top 15 as I would pick it. Again, we know somebody's going to take a kicker or a defense and keep one of those. I don't know why, but going to be that stupid. Because kickers and defenses are a dime a dozen, and you don't know any of them that'll be good. So that being said, there's a list of guys. And just on my team alone, second-year players that I took in this draft that were cut by other rosters. George Kittle, Cortland Sutton, and I think Adam Thielen was another guy that I got that were second-year players that came around. So I would definitely advocate that don't just necessarily look at the rookies, but look at guys who have decent opportunities or that had okay years but needed another year to grow, especially in the fourth, fifth round picks if we get that far. So I think we're going to do at least the top four rounds. The rotation we drew for going into this before we came on air. So Ed, you would be the first pick. Ethan, you have the second pick. Ben, the third. And I would be the fourth, I believe. And so we'll go in that rotation as we go along. Everybody good? Oh, and I suppose I should mention it to the audience. We are making sure that we are not selecting for our own team just for the benefit that we don't want to give away too much at least on air. So in case any of the league members are listening, and I think most of the league members that do listen are already on the podcast, but still, I do know that Derek's a little sour of the fact that we've been uh, apparently been too negative on his team lately, and he (laughs) wants to just sell everybody off. But uh, that puts Ed on the clock. You have the first pick for Dumpster Fire in this year's round one. Take your pick of which player you'd like and explain why you go there. Yeah, I think this is uh, I think this is an easy one looking at his roster. Going to go with Najee Harris. I mean, I see running backs on his roster. Moster, Hines, Gaskin, Sony Michael. Ronald Jones might be might be his best back. So, yeah, I mean, I just named off the reasons why you want to go with Najee. So, I think Roger, Najee Harris is in the best position to succeed i'm going to be honest with you maybe now i'm going to give a little bit of secrets or like players that i'm targeting but Najee harris is not in my top three running backs like of players that i like 
for that position that I think are going to have the best careers. Najee Harris, for me, doesn't, nothing really pops out of me. I think he's got good feet. He's, it's like he's a big back and he doesn't break through tackles. You know, he's a, he just, his style, like his style of game just kind of, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to translate the best to the NFL. I think he's going to be a great back. Got, he catches the ball well. So he's going to give you a lot of good points there. He's in a good position with the Steelers. I think he's going to end up for dynasty. You know, I think he's maybe the next year he'll do decently well. So that's why I'm going to go with number one pick. But in the end, I don't think he'll have the best career from the running backs. Fair enough. Uh, I would agree that usually when you're drafting number one overall, you just take the best potential prospect on the board without really considering much else because obviously your team's poor enough to get you in that position. But that puts New Boot Goofin slash Ethan on the clock. Who do you take for New Boot Goofin? To add on to Ed, I if he wasn't going to take Harris at one, I was going to take him, but I'm not in love with him as a prospect either. I think he's going to be a pretty good back, but I think he fits in perfectly with what the Steelers are trying to do. So good on Ed. For me, this decision comes between, honestly, Kyle Pitts and Javante Williams. Kyle Pitts, just because the way he tested, the way I think Atlanta is going to use him in the market, or in the market just with tight ends in general. But I've also told you guys a million times, I love Javante Williams. Don't really love the landing spot, but for me, I guess I'm going to go Kyle Pitts with the second pick. That's really weird that I'm taking a tight end with the second pick. He's the number one on my board. If I were at number one, I would take him at number one. Really? Absolutely. I think there are two game breakers in this draft, and it's Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. Jamar Chase, to me, is probably going to compete with Justin Jefferson for some of those rookie records that he had last year uh, because I I really like the fit. The only difference is going to be that Jefferson got a huge target share, whereas I think Chase will probably be under 25% of his total target share just given the amount of other guys that they have on the roster. But I think Kyle Pitts really fits in well with the type of scheme that Arthur Smith runs, and I really like the way that Matt... Ryan always targets tight ends. So this is a case to me of where he went to one of the best possible landing spots. And if he's really as great a prospect as everybody says he's going to be, then I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't take an advantage like Travis Kelsey at number one, especially given how common he was on everybody's championship rosters last year. Anyway, that puts Ben on the clock. Ben... Who do you select for Rogers Rabbit? Well, you're going to love this, Tom. Uh, I'm going to take Devonta Smith. If it wasn't Dynasty, I would take Chase. Uh, I watched a lot of videos between the two. And the biggest knock, the only knock on Smith is his weight, right? And where Jamar Chase, here's my thought on it. Jamar Chase gets open with his hands. Devonta Smith gets open with his feet. Chase reminds me of A.J. Brown like identical, which is a good thing. That's definitely a compliment. But uh, you watch him, and if you press Chase at the offense or at the line of scrimmage, he'll just sit there and fight with you, right? And um, Cincinnati doesn't have the line where you can't, you don't have the time to get open that you would in, like, say, Green Bay or somewhere like that. And they also have Tyler Boyd and... uh, What's his name? I own him. Um, T. Higgins. T. T. Higgins. So there's a... We're keeping that in. There's more mouse to feed over there. 
I don't know. Devonta Smith, he's something special. I don't like betting against a trend, and he's been unstoppable, I think. This year, he set the SEC record with touchdowns by 14 over the next highest guy. So, I don't know. If this was 20 years ago, I'd say probably not. But I don't think his size nowadays is going to be that big of an insignificance. Yeah. I guess the biggest question mark for me there is Jalen Hurts. The uh, biggest question mark is not Jalen Hurts in my mind. It's the Eagles offense. But yeah. I understand what you mean. Yeah, I mean, you just don't really know. It. I, I, I mean, I have Jalen Hurts on my team. I'm going to keep him, but I just I don't know what what's going to become of them. It's, you know, he's played, what, two games, three games that he started. Um, I think Joe Burrow, I mean, I guess Joe Burrow, if you were to go chase, you're also, it's a question mark there to see how he's going to come back from injury. But I would have more hopes that, you know, Joe Burrow would be feeding the ball and chase more. But, um, but yeah, the question, the Eagles, the Eagles offense is, is questionable. I mean, I, I want to go in on Devontae Smith because I love wide receivers. Feet for days can run any route that you ask him to. The, Ben's right. The only question is size. I thought about it. And then I'm thinking in my head, what about Marvin Harrison? Like one of the best to ever freaking do it. And they kind of remind me each other of me a lot. Like they just, the way he manipulates the defense is something that you can't really teach at an elite level. Either you have it or you don't. So yeah, the, the question, I think the biggest question for Devonte Smith is Jalen hurts and the Eagles organization. I just don't trust a lot of the people that are making decisions there right now. But, all right, so that puts me on the clock for Ed's team. And I think you know exactly where I'm going to go. Given the fact that Jerry, Judy, and Henry Ruggs struggled last year, but he was clearly targeting wide receivers in order to bulk up on that side of the ball, Jamar Chase is the obvious choice here. To me, it's either Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase should be the one and two board, and then there's a big gap as far as I'm concerned. So at number four, Jamar Chase. So that puts Ed back on the clock at number five. You will be selecting for King in the North. Yeah, you got to see who he's got on this team. I mean, this guy's loaded. Well, he doesn't yeah, even remember exactly. who's on his own team. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I forget. Yeah, I forget how loaded Ben's team is. So yeah, my quarterback's probably in a ma- massage parlor. Well, at least there'll be a happy ending. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Ben's in a great spot. I think for Ben, I'm going to go highest value that I have on the board right now, Travis Etienne. He's one of my favorite running backs. You know, it's going to be interesting because I got a little bit screwed over there with James Robinson. Should have probably traded James Robinson when he had the value last year. They had, but I didn't. And now he's... uh, (laughs) but anyway yeah i mean i think you know taking a guy like here which i consider one of the top two backs in the draft puts ben in a great position you know he's had in he's ben has injuries with a guy like christian mccaffrey that's prone to injury you get a guy like travis Etienne that can they can plug in if that were to happen again you know nick chubb i think also is on your team right ben that also got hurt so you might want to back you know stockpile position players there and yeah, I mean, I think I think that they're going to run the ball on Jacksonville. I think they're going to have a similar style of play when the Saints had Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram, which I, that's how I can kind of see that going. 
I got a question for you, Ben, and feel if you don't want to answer it, don't answer it. What do you feel? Because with your quarterback situation, what you have going on in your team, would you feel comfortable taking one of the quarterbacks this early in the draft? And if you don't want to answer it and give away strategy, that's fine. Like, I get that. I just couldn't bring myself to it. If I was in the later part of the first round, I think absolutely, because I don't really love a lot of the players towards the back end. But those top five, six picks, if they go as they're going now, there's too much value there to pass up. I would also have drafted Travis Etienne in that situation. I hate the landing spot, but I think he'll get enough catches to make himself relevant there. I actually really love the landing spot as far as that's concerned. But for where this is at, and I had the fifth pick last year and Akers ended up dropping to me, I would agree. I I don't think you can probably make a great argument because even in the immediate, there's only two guys I see starting significant time this year right away and being effective because it takes at least a good year in that offense that the Shanahan's run for somebody to be able to come in and play well. So you can automatically cross off Zach Wilson being valuable this year and being a carryover for where you need him to be to get through the Deshaun Watson troubles. You can cross off Trey Lance because I don't imagine him starting or having significant playing time this year and being good necessarily because at some point Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get hurt. That happens every year but it's a matter of how adaptable he's going to be. So now you're looking at Fields, and you're looking at Trevor Lawrence. Well, either one of those, I still have rated below some of the guys that were still available at this pick, so I completely agree with you. Yeah, your, your take on Trey Lance is interesting. I, I actually think that Trey Lance is going to play a lot sooner than later because of this reason. I think the Niners are a great team, and if they go with Jimmy Garoppolo, they can easily start off let's say undefeated halfway through the season, what are you going to do? Like, at some, like, are you going to switch? You're going to ride out a, a successful season with Jimmy Garoppolo, go 13 and three, make it in the playoffs and then switch to Trey Lance. That would put them in such a tough spot. You know, I think to switch quarterbacks, that's my, my thinking. It's um, the exact same situation. Alex Smith was in with the chiefs when they went to Mahomes. I think Shanahan has enough clout and the power to do it in that organization that he can pull a ball or move like that without them batting an eye because they've turned over their franchise to whatever decisions he wants to make. The move to trade up to number three was not something John Lynch did. It was something that Kyle Shanahan told him he needed to do. I just think that knowing that offense, even Aaron Rodgers had a little bit of a struggle that first year just being able to adapt to some of it, and he's possibly the smartest quarterback in the league. So I, I just know that it's going to take these guys a little bit of time. And if you're really looking at it, if Deshaun Watson does sit this year, not only is that going to basically take him out of the running for that, but there's almost no immediate fill-in unless Ben starts streaming quarterback. I just don't see anybody that's going to be of an immediate value that could replace Deshaun Watson anyway. All right, so that puts us at the sixth pick. Ethan, you are up. And on the clock is Dynasty football team. Maybe we might have our first shock tonight, but I am going to go with Trey Sermon out of Ohio State with the the 49. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because I think that his team could use another running back. Uh, I think he's really solid at the wide receiver position. He's very solid at the tight end position. 
And I also think it's too early to take a quarterback. And I really do love the uh, landing spot that he is in, in that offense. I like him more than I like Michael Carter, not as a prospect, but the spot. And um, that was really my thought process with it. So, yeah, I would take I'm taking Trey Sermon there. Somebody banging a table. Sorry, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. All right. So seventh pickup. That puts us at me. And uh, Ben, you're on the clock. I'm on the clock. All right. I think I'm going to make you happy. Ethan threw me a curveball here. (laughs) All I've heard about is how great Javante Williams is. (laughs) I'd be happy with Javante Williams there. You would be correct. Oh, shit. I kind of thought he was already taken. But still, I'll take Sermon anyway. So I'm going with Javante Williams. I'm not nearly as high on him as you and Ethan are, but I don't know. I see a lot of Royce Freeman in him more so than anything else. But really. To be fair, you just took the person I have at number 10 on my board, and Ethan took the guy I have at number 14. So Your board's kind of crazy then, because I thought at one point you told me and Ethan he's uh, your number two back overall. But then it's, it matters where fit is and what the <laughs> offense is going to be around him. If you have an issue with quarterback... Yes, he's going to get opportunity, and I think with how injury-riddled Melvin Gordon's career has been, that he's going to get opportunity more or earlier than somebody like even Cam Akers got last year. I also like the player, but it's what is he going to have around him? Like I, I can't imagine Denver not throwing the football, and I also can't imagine that offense being great or effective. So that's part of my issue. I. Have him just below Michael Carter, actually. Just just curious, actually, if Ethan wouldn't have gone nuts there with that number six pick, Trey Sermon, and he would have taken Javante Williams, who would have you picked at this spot? For me? No, Ben. Like, let's say Ethan would have taken Javante Williams, who would you have picked in this spot? I probably would want Rashad Bateman. Okay. And I'd, I'd be comfortable with those. I At this point in the draft where you have to take a prospect, I think you're drafting on potential value. And right. so I'm just going to follow my board for the most part. Now, it's subject to change. I, I think as we get closer and we get some camp reports and some of the other things, uh, I'm going to try my best not to sink into coach speak, but we it gets us every year. But uh, all right, that puts me on the clock at eight. And I am selecting for LDH. Hmm. No, he, he needs running back. Uh, I'm going Michael Carter here. I love the fit in this Jets offense in a Mike LaFleur coached offense and running a very zone heavy scheme for a guy that's a one cut runner who, yes, there might be some uh, size issues and some durability issues that people have coming in. I don't see him being a huge, heavy workload guy, but I think he could be the next Aaron Jones in that offense, at least. Let's go to pick number nine. This is a trade. We have Rogers Rabbits on the board, and Ed, it is your pick. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go receiver, and I think oh, I'm debating between two players right now. I'm going Rashad Bateman. I think okay. I was debating between him or Jalen Waddle, but. I think Rashad Bateman, looking at the receivers the Dolphins have, and then comparing it to the receivers the Ravens have, 
Um, I think Bateman's in a better spot to produce right away. So, yeah, that's, that's my pick. Fair enough. We've been waiting for Lamar Jackson to get a true target outside of Mark Andrews. I think that's a pretty good value pick at number nine. So that puts us at number 10. Akron Pros is on the board for Ethan. I think you just got to take best available player at this point, especially for his squad. I'd say you'd take Jalen Waddle with the last pick in the first round. That's not a bad pick. I, I certainly can understand it. I think I would consider one of the quarterbacks if this was somebody that wasn't with this roster with Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers, but I certainly understand some of his receivers are getting a little bit older. He kind of needs to replace it with a new crop, take the best guy available, move on. All right, so that puts Ben at the first overall pick in the second round. We're now moving to the second round. Dumpster Fire is on the clock. Ben, what is your pick? Well, I think I'm going to take Elijah Moore. I love his speed. I love his production, especially in the SEC. Everybody gets compared to Tyree Kill, but I feel like this guy actually has the opportunity to, to be that guy. Okay, fair enough. All right, so that puts me on the board at number two overall in the second round. We have New Boot Goofin. And just taking a quick glance at his roster... Currently at quarterback, he has Matthew Stafford, who I expect to actually be a decent starting quarterback. But he also has Derek Carr behind that, Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield, all guys that are fine, but they're maybe in that quarterback two range. And we don't run a super flex, at least uh, that has not been the case up to this point. And I don't see it for next year unless the rules committee we're putting in uh, brings it to me. But... I'm going to go quarterback here. I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence. Simply put, I know that he's the white guy, so we don't think of him as much of an athlete or a runner, but he did actually have quite a bit of rushing in college. He had a lot of goal line carries. I think he has some ability, at least enough to keep his floor a little bit higher. I like a lot of the pieces that are around him. I like the Urban Meyer offense that is trying to get a lot of fast guys in space. Now, we haven't seen that work well yet at the NFL level it'll be an interesting experiment but you want to give me James Robinson Carlos Hyde Travis Etienne they took Luke Farrell out of Ohio State as a decent blocker you have LaVishka Chenault you have DJ Chark I think they took another wide receiver who I'm drawing a blank on in this draft I, I think he's got a lot of different receivers and weapons to get the ball out to and I like the offense as to how it operated in college for fantasy stats i really want to see how that develops into the nfl if everybody is banking on this being the quote-unquote generational quarterback you take the top available guy so all right ed pick number three in the first round or excuse me the second round goes to rogers rabbits again you are on the clock boy it's getting tense in here (laughs) it's like a real draft war room (laughs) I think I'll go with Rondell Moore. Damn. You just took my pick. Yeah, Rondell Moore. You didn't have a pick this round. I meant for the person (laughs) I'm picking for, ass face. (laughs) Just want to keep reminding you of that. Yeah, with the way the Cardinals' offense is set up, I think Rondell Moore has opportunity to get a lot of uh, throws coming his way. Uh, I think he's had injuries in the past that have limited him in college, but when he was healthy, he was explosive dynamic receiver, uh, regardless of his height. So 
I think he's in, I think he's in a good spot in Arizona. Absolutely agree. All right, so that puts Ethan back on the clock for pick number four in the second round. You are up for Ed Winners. What is your pick, sir? I kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just me. In the second round, I just feel, I look forward mostly, looking for future and like maybe even trade value as well. So for Ed here, even though it's not a dire, dire need, I'm going to take Justin Fields just because if he balls out, he has two really good quarterbacks. And if Herbert is going on fire, then he's got somebody that he can trade and quarterback carries a lot of weight if you're doing really well. So I'm going to go Justin Fields. He was the top guy left on my board. I certainly would have considered it here. All right, Ben, that puts you on the clock at pick number five. Unfortunately, I believe that is your own pick. Uh, Yes, it is. So I will make that one for you. We'll swap here. You can do the next one. So for you, let's see here. This would be the spot where I would start to really consider quarterbacks, but with Justin Fields coming off the board there, Trey Lance is technically the top guy on my board, but I don't know if it serves you long term. And the other guy I think I can wait on. You have a little bit of a need at wide receiver, but some of the best guys on the board have already gone. But I'm going to pull the trigger on Terrence Marshall Jr. out of Carolina. I think he's going to be running the slot a lot for that offense where Robbie Moore and or excuse me, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore combined the two there for a second. I think they're going to be the outside boundary receivers and that Terrence Marshall is going to be operating a similar position to what he had in college under the same offensive coordinator who was the passing game coordinator at LSU at the time, Joe Brady. So it's a role he already knows I think he'd be comfortable with. Even if Sam Darnold is a competent quarterback, I think he can run that offense fairly well to the point where he might have some immediate value for that team. At least some flex consideration going into this year. All right, Ben, so that puts you at on the clock then for pick number six. You have Dynasty football team, and you're tapping on the table again. My bad. <laughs> Nervous um, tick, but who do you pick? I will take Trey Lance. Understood. This team is really, I think its biggest weak spot is at quarterback, and he's probably the top prospect dynasty-wise I have on my board. I would say Zach Wilson, at least in the immediate, is going to start more, but I like Trey Lance as far as fit, offense, and ability a little bit more than where Zach Wilson went. All right, that takes us back to the top. Ed, you are on the board for the number seven pick in the second round. Now, mind you, This was a good pick slot last year. Don't let me down, buddy. Tom Terrific is on the clock. Who do you pick? I think we're going best value on my board right now. And just to cover your ass if something catastrophic and disastrous were to happen to Patrick Mahomes, we're going to go with uh, Zach Wilson. That's a fair pick. It's certainly a consideration here in that second round value as to one of the guys that come off the board. I think there's a big drop-off between that and Mac Jones, just from the rushing value. For fantasy-wise, you have to have some rushing value in order to increase your ability, unless you're going to absolutely throw a ton of touchdowns like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. And even Aaron Rodgers ran for a few last year. So in order to be that top-10 guy, you got to have it. Zach Wilson has at least a little bit of athleticism. He's going to be in a decent offense. I don't think he'll produce in the or in the immediate future. I may have to pick up a guy, but he's a good long-term prospect to keep a decent enough backup on the roster. All right, Ethan, you are up at pick number eight. 
That is LDH. How are you going to screw over Derek this time? Uh, not screw over. I'm trying to get into the mind of Derek, and it's a very scary place. But other than that... <laughs> it's a very fine line between upholding the law and breaking it. I, I think I'm planning on Aaron Rodgers being back. So if that's the case, I am going to take Amari Rodgers. I think he fits in really well with that Packer offense if he if Aaron Rodgers is there. I honestly think he could be a better Randall Cobb than what Randall Cobb was. So I'm going to take Amari Rodgers, and I know Derek loves his Packers, so I'm taking A-Rod. Love the pick. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Ben, that puts you on the clock at number nine. That would be Ed. Ed. I'm going to go Kadarius Tony. I love him as a prospect, but I hated that landing spot. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just going to say what Ethan said. Right yeah, I, I love him as a prospect, but I don't know. I don't think he's going to live his best life over there in New York. So I have the last pick in the second round for Akron Pros, I think. Oh no, Yeah, he does have his second round pick yet, which is great because he needs some terrible running back help in the most desperate way. This is a pick I could see him doing. If you want my full breakdown, I will link the articles in the show notes from all of my draft reactions. Here's your surprise of the second round. Elijah Mitchell to Akron Pros. <laughs> I wow. think that Trey Sermon's durability is a bit of a question mark, and this is the guy I think could be the real steal of that 49ers draft. <laughs> <laughs> Could have got him in round four. <laughs> Top guy on my board, buddy. Let's see you do your Eric Stokes backflips now. All right, so that puts it at Ed to lead off round three. You would have dumpster fire again. What is your pick, sir? Dumpster fire. <clears throat> I think I'm going to start. I'm going to kick off. I'm going to say I'm going to kick off the tight end group. But not really because Kyle Pitts is. I just don't classify him as a tight end. I'm going to go with the tight end out of Penn State. That went to the Steelers, Pat Friermuth. I think if I remember correctly, I think he is pretty much going into the Steelers as their starting tight end. Not getting a lot of the the passes from, from that position on that team. So I, I like Pat Fryermuth. I think he's like overshadowed with through with Kyle Pitts, but he's got tons of talent. My second tight end on the board right after Kyle Pitts. Um, so I would go with Pat. The only problem I have at tight end, especially in round three, is both of the two tight ends I have after this of any real value, Hunter Long and Pat Fry, uh, I think it's Fryermuth. Uh, mm -hmm. I've heard it pronounced like four different ways this week, so we'll have an adventure during the season with that one. But they're both behind other guys. Like, Eric Ebron's there, and he, yes, he also has an injury history. He has a drops history. I see that the Steelers could go to him. The other problem is is Ben well-documented and then questioned after the actual podcast episode itself. Big Ben, not our Ben, has a noodle arm left, and so that concerns me a little bit. That 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 would be my biggest concern. I'd almost be more comfortable with Tua throwing to a guy at this point than Big Ben, but that's just me. All right, so let's move to pick number two in the third round. Ethan, you are on the clock, and you have Nubuku. I am going to take Nico Collins. I think between him and Brandon Cooks, those are really the only two people catching the football. A lot of opportunity, a lot of points, hopefully. 
if Deshaun Watson plays, I love this pick because he's got to throw somebody the football. Brandon Cooks has been hurt a lot in his career, and I think that we saw even when the last, what, five or six games when Will Fuller was out, that just anybody with a pulse could basically get points from Deshaun Watson in that offense because that defense was terrible. It's still going to be terrible. They didn't have a lot of picks this last year. If you get a big-bodied wide receiver in that offense to be the red zone goal line target, I love this pick. But if he doesn't play, it may take a year or two for this to pan out yet. So, all right, Benny, you're going to be up on the clock. You have the number three pick in the third round, Rogers Rabbits. Where do you go? How available was your available list that you gave us? What do you mean available? Because I see you had Hunter Henry on there. That is correct. I will draft Hunter Henry. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I can't imagine you dropping him, but. I'll take you through my decisions of my full 15. I I have to live out loud as the host of this podcast. (laughs) I will take you through it. Like, he was a late cut, like one of the last ones. But, yeah, he's not on my 15. Fair enough. Draft it. (laughs) Fair. All right, so that puts it at pick number four. I think I have Ed Winners for this one. No. Shed Dynasty. Hey. His first pick in the draft here feels a little bit like either Seattle or the Rams or I don't know. Some of these teams that uh, were a little bit higher up, but just traded all their draft capital. We Uh, sacrificed the future to win now. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, All right. I think this is a strategy that he would not be opposed to. I have two receivers left in my top 20 on the board and I don't think he's at all pleased with Lamar Jackson as a passer, at least not in the immediate term. I'm going to go with Amon Ra St. Brown. Hell yeah. (laughs) Dude, I love that pick. And honestly, I would have taken him earlier, but I wanted to see how far down he would fall. And this makes me really happy. So I would be really happy if that happened. He is a guy who is going to be a slot extraordinaire for a team that's going to run a lot of 11 personnel. And they just let go of Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola in this offense. So if they double TJ Hawkinson, as I expect they're going to do, and there's no dump off to DeAndre Swift coming, you have to find somebody else to throw the ball to. And Jared Goff loves his slot receivers. I think this is an obvious choice for a guy that's probably going to get at least 70 to 80 targets in his rookie campaign. All right. So, Ed, you are back up on the board. King in the North is on the clock. All right. I'm going to go with one of my favorite receivers in the draft that's still available. Uh, Deami Brown, receiver, Washington. It's funny that he landed there because I actually I compare his game a lot to Terry McLaurin's game. And I think that I think that offense is going to be fun to watch you know any offense if it's magic is just like tossing it around which is always fun to watch i think he's got potential there one injury what was the receiver the other receiver that the Redskins signed they signed another receiver in the offseason right you mean the washington football team or washington football team curtis samuel curtis samuel right so i mean i think curtis samuel plays deami brown's going to be on the outside and curtis samuel takes you know the slot position so I think he's in a good spot to to uh, do great things there in Washington. 
So that puts Ethan back on the clock at pick number six. Dynasty football team, oddly enough, on the clock. Oh, man. For me, I'm starting to decide, like, is it still... Are there still wide receivers, or do you take one of these running backs hoping that they turn into, like, a James Robinson? So right now, I guess I'm going to... I'm going to go with that and I am going to take Chubba Hubbard. And the reason why is Christian McCaffrey, I don't think he's injury prone, but I mean, he's getting older. We all know that he's getting older. I don't think that injuries are coming his way, but I honestly don't know if they want to work him as much as they had been working him in the past. Chubba Hubbard was somebody that I really, really liked if he would have came out in last year's draft, coming back to school, lost him a shit ton of money. But I like him as a prospect, so I'm going to go Hubbard here. Unfortunately, I think at running back at this point, you're probably going to be in the handcuff territory for a lot of these guys. But he's one of the top guys in my handcuffed territory. All right, Ben, you are on the clock for pick number seven. That would be Tom Terrific. Where do you go? Well, it's funny you speak about handcuffs because I know you love them so much. So I do. I definitely I'm do. Take Kenneth Gainwell here. <laughs> Uh, Miles Sanders is banged up a lot. Fair enough. Get rid All of right. Tony Pollard and get Gainwell. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was more of an I, I had to let him go than I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to number eight, that puts LDH back on the clock. He's a wide receiver type guy, and it's the top or the last guy in my top 20. He slipped this far, but it's a guy that is going to take the top off for that Baltimore defense or excuse me, Baltimore offense, which you really need when you're running a lot of play action, you're running the ball a lot more. You need to at least make the safeties respect it, not come down into the box. Tylen Wallace, Baltimore. I understand. Go ahead, Ed. No, I was going to say that was going to be the next pick for me. Yeah. I mean, I understand that pick, but I still believe in Devin Duvernay as well. So, I don't think they play the same position. Duvernay is not a, an outside speed guy, more of he's a dynamic interior slot. He runs a lot of in-breaking routes, and I just look at Wallace as more of an outside fade route guy. kind just of a, in, Just a nine-route guy, huh? <laughs> well, Let's Ethan, not get into that. Ethan, <laughs> Ethan, I don't believe in Duvernay, and I'll be cutting him, so you can pick him up if you want <laughs> No, well, no, and that's no. what you I mean. I think there's Brian Edwards. That's who you got to let go of. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Brian Edwards is not, not getting let go. Given previous conversations, there's a reason Brian Edwards did not appear on the available list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, that puts it back at Ed at pick number nine. You have Shad Dynasty. We go Brian back here. That's, I think is in a good spot too. Ramondre Stevenson with the Patriots. He's a big. Big running back out of Oklahoma. He actually reminds me a lot, sort of what Garrett Blount, which played on the Patriots, that I think, you know, he, Bill Belichick, kind of likes that style of runner. So that, that's my pick here. I think he may give you like a, a silver cross or some type of hex to stay away from all Patriots, but that's just um, my my thought here. Uh, so that puts E back on the clock for... I believe Rogers Rabbits. I think this was a trade from Akron Pros. No, I, I guess he does still have his third round pick. It's his fourth round pick. It's his fourth trade. round. Yeah, you can yeah, talk so about. Yeah, so Akron um, Pro is on the clock. Your arch nemesis, where do you go for the champ? I guess I am going to take the last person in your top. No, wait, he's gone, isn't he? Zach Collins, he's gone. 
Yeah, he's yes, good. he was picked by Ben for my team, I think, a round ago. I guess that leaves me with Josh Palmer for the Chargers. Another guy I like, and it's just simply based on opportunity. I'm not yep. familiar a lot with him, but with the amount of injuries that have happened to the top two wide receivers for uh, the Chargers so far, they replaced Hunter Henry with Jared Cook and a tight end who didn't catch a lot of passes in college. So I feel strongly that they're going to need at least a third guy. I know they really like Jalen Guyton, and I think there's another guy on their team that they drafted last year that I can't remember offhand. But anybody that's paired with a young, up-and-coming quarterback is a, at least a good flyer pick at this value level. All right, so Benny, you have the first pick in the fourth round. This is the last scheduled round that we were going to do. Dumpster fire is on the clock. Who do you choose? I'll take Dwayne Eskridge. I think the only problem I have with this one is that he put together a late college career, that he was a converted cornerback, and that he's going to a team that is vowed to run the football more. But you can't knock playing with Russell Wilson. It's a good value pick here at the top of round four. I, I'm just really trusting the Seattle Seahawks' eye for picking good receivers on this one. So. Fair. Absolutely fair. So that puts it at New Boot Goofin and the first pick in round number four. Unfortunately, this is where my board starts to peter out a little bit and separate from some of the top guys. Most of the guys that are on my board have either already gone, so now it's a matter of either value or asset. And I think this is a guy that is the top handcuff on my board coming into this year. And it's simply because the running back ahead of him is the only other running back currently on the roster that I know of. Uh, they cut the other one who had been his traditional backup Missed a lot of time last year. I would expect this to be a decent offense if Joe Burrow is healthy. I'm going Chris Evans here. All right, so that puts Ed back on the clock for Rodgers Rabbits. I'm going to go with the running back that nobody's really talking about because he went undrafted, but he's actually one of my favorite running backs. And I think he's in a good spot. Javian Hawkins running back Atlanta. It's Javian Hawkins and Mike Davis right now. That's Great a good play. call. I hadn't really paid attention to that one. That's an interesting name. Got to imagine that with Mike Davis, even though he was productive last year, with the amount of carries that he took on, he started to decline over time just because he's been a traditional second banana on most teams that he's been a part of. I wonder if Atlanta is going to look for their guy or their answer for that Arthur Smith offense to really hum in somebody other than Mike Davis, where he is the backup. But I don't know if they found their Derrick Henry yet, but that's a, a good value pick here at the second in round four, or excuse me, third. All right, Ethan, you are on the clock at pick number four. You have Ed Winners. Oh, man. Uh, for me here, I was thinking of taking Tony Pollard, but honestly... I am going to go with McKitty, tight end with the Chargers. Hunter Henry is gone. I think opportunity is there for him. With the tight end market the way it is, I don't really think you can go wrong taking a tight end with hopefully a lot of potential. So I'm going to go with McKitty. All right, Ben, you are on the clock. You have the pick for my team. <laughs> that can't be right, is it? Yeah, I guess so. 
So we have to skip and swap again. So I guess I'm selecting for you here. Oh, I was not necessarily prepared for this, so I'm going to stall here for a moment. You've got a couple of decent tight ends already on the roster, and some of these other guys have already gone. I can't see you taking Mac Jones. I can't say you taking any of the three guys behind that unless you're going to go Davis Mills, but even him I don't find is going to be the starting quarterback because it's going to be Tyrod Taylor if Deshaun sits. So I don't think that offers you the positional value that I think you would want to go to. Instead, I think if I were you, this is the pick I would go to. It's the top wide receiver left on my board at the moment. He's not a guy that I expect to necessarily produce immediately, but he is going to have an effect on that offense. And that's Tutu Atwell for the Rams. Bleep burner. You know that in that Rams offense, they want a speed guy to take the top off so that they can run a lot of their sets and underneath stuff in their 11 personnel. It's the type of guy that they're going to run a lot of stuff for, and he's going to be on the field a lot. I just don't know whether he's going to see the level of production he'd need to in order to be a valuable asset. But over time, he could certainly develop into the next Brandon Cooks type of player. And what's another Rams wide receiver for you, Benny? Just take another one. Van Jefferson. <laughs> one of them's got to do well in that offense. Screw off. <laughs> well, he's got Robert Woods. And and my van. Yeah, is that a VW? <laughs> yeah. I'll probably right. drop in van, though. So, wow. Ben, and we swapped here. You have Dynasty football team here. All right. Well, I will go Davis Mills then and just stash him away for a rainy day, I guess. (laughs) Go for Mac Jones. Why Davis Mills? I don't like Mac Jones. (laughs) Okay. And uh, not a big fan of Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond? No, not really. I think Davis Mills, had had he played another year, he'd probably be a top five pick behind Brady so he's going to get to learn from the best and he's on a great offense so I I can Davis wait. Mills is in Houston oh well you're talking about Kyle Trask oh well Davis Mills anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right so that puts Ed back on the clock for the seventh pick that would be me Tom Terrific in the fourth round you know let's Let's just go value here and get you another quarterback. I, I have actually have this quarterback ranked higher than um, than Mac, definitely Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond. I think sooner rather than later, Kellen Mond will replace her cousins at QB for the Minnesota Bike. It certainly wouldn't be upsetting to have the guy who's throwing Justin Jefferson all those touchdowns. There you go. Just saying. All right, so that puts it at Ethan at pick number eight. You have LDH on the clock. Where do you go? Honestly, I guess for Derek, with the quarterback issues that he ran into this past year once Dak got hurt, I guess I'll be the one to take Mac Jones. I do think he can learn from somebody like like the coaching staff in New England. I don't know. I really don't love him as a prospect either, but I really don't think you can start to get upset in late fourth-round picks. Well, I mean, we're not doing a fifth round unless you guys would really want to. But one of the picks then, since Derek may not have another one that I would really suggest for him here, is protect your David Montgomery 
position, especially with Justin Fields coming in. I really like Khalil Herbert as the handcuff to David Montgomery this year. It's a guy that, if you're talking about the fourth round, it's a guy I might consider really investing in to protect a position. Yeah, I can agree. I can see that 110%. I really didn't give... At this point, too, like for my team, I'm not really looking at where to fill. I'm kind of just looking at potential down the road, trying just to get the best person. All right. So number nine, then, Ben, you were on the clock. I have to assume Ethan's only got one quarterback on the roster, and you really liked Kyle Trask when you were talking about Davis Mills. Do you go Kyle Trask here for him? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go Brevin Jordan, tight end for Houston. And this is like the Nico Collins pick. I think that Deshaun Watson, if he plays, has to throw to somebody. This is a guy that caught a lot of passes at the University of Miami. A really good receiving tight end prospect that I enjoy potential of what he could be in this offense if Watson's starting. Really good value pick here for you. I may have gone Hunter Long before that just because I think he's a better receiving option, but I really don't like the Miami fit, whereas Jordan could have a little bit more immediate value. But that's fair. All right, I guess I have the pleasure of picking what, in at least our terms, would be Mr. Irrelevant here, the last pick in our mock draft. And where do I go for Dumpster Fire? He just needs value anywhere, so, boy, who would be the top guy left on my board yet? Because I have to assume he's going to be a bit of a protector here of his position, he's the guy with Miles Gaskin who kind of got bailed out a little bit. I'm going to go with a surprise one here, a guy that's number 11 in my running back rankings, Jared Dokes for Miami. All right, that recaps our mock draft then. Any reactions or thoughts, gentlemen? My initial reaction is last year's draft was just so much deeper. Like, getting to the third round here is is getting tough. Like, it, it was getting tough. So, talent, I think, last year was much better. I think there are going to be a number of picks from recycled uh, rosters, deep picks from, so like the guys that were available. I know we really only went one or two in our mock here, but I think there's a possibility with where Yahoo ranks these, because that does often affect how these online drafts go, that those guys added back into the mix and where they end up ranked could have as much of an effect as any of the guys we picked. We primarily went rookies just because that was what was on our mind, but I could very easily see a couple of these guys falling a little bit further down the board, and there's going to be value somewhere around that fifth-round pick. But as I've said before, usually sixth- and seventh-round pick, if you structured your team right, should be about where you draft a defense or a kicker, or if you do like I do, you don't even bother drafting a kicker until week one. Yeah, I'm interested to see how players in our league – rank and value these quarterbacks and see where they fall. I could, you know, see someone taking, <clears throat> I think Mac Jones will go sooner. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what, what happens on draft day with the quarterbacks. Personally, if Jamar Chase falls to the fifth pick for Ben, uh, I think he gets a steal, even though it's not the top guy on his board. And that will be curious to me is there were a couple of guys last year that ended up being really good. Cam Akers went to me at five. DeAndre Swift went number seven last year to Dana. There's going to be somebody that falls that's going to be a surprise that we're not going to know about, that we know on draft day shouldn't have probably fallen to that level, but that somebody will be very excited about. The surprise guy that pops out of this draft that 
is the second or third round pick that hits, that's going to be the one that nobody sees coming. Yeah. Because T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, and Justin Jefferson were not guys high on anybody's board, which is why they slipped. And really, you drafted them for value, and somehow they all came out on the other side. All right, gentlemen, uh, thank you so, so much. Uh, We appreciated you being here. I know I enjoyed having you. I don't want to speak for E, but... uh, (laughs) Well, thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again soon to continue our off-season coverage. But until then... Until then, wear a mask. We'll see everybody soon. Please get vaccinated. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.